You're listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. You can follow along with the notes for this message and get better connected with our church by visiting church2911.com connect. This summer at 2911, we're looking back at some of the iconic movies of the 1980s. This week is all about true love. It's the Princess Bride. The Wesley and Buttercup, is, is the, they're the main characters of this story. There's a lot of other things going on in this, this story, but the, the, central, the center of it is this love story between Wesley and Buttercup. Wesley is the farm boy. Buttercup is his true love, and he, he decides to go off to sea to, uh, to acquire some kind of wealth, to provide for her, to get married and that kind of thing. And while he's, he's out at sea, uh, Buttercup gets word that his ship's been, you know, ransacked by the dread pirate Roberts, who notoriously does not leave any survivors. And so, so she becomes heartbroken, and she swears she will never love again. And she goes into mourning, and for five years she mourns. And we pick back up five years later, uh, there's Prince Humperdinck, and he's the prince of the land, and he, he announces to his people that he's going to marry finally, and he's chosen a bride who was once a commoner, who was uh, who, who? Who turns out it was it was Buttercup, the most beautiful girl in the land, and uh, you know you know for a second maybe you think that she's moved on, but then you find out very quickly that her heart still belongs to Wesley, that that she's stayed true to her word and she has never loved again, and it's probably a good thing because Humperdinck kind of turns out to be, uh, and you got to love these names, right? Buttercup Humperdinck. Uh, Humperdinck turns out to be kind of a, 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 a jerk, and turns out I guess that's a very light word because uh, turns out he's only going to marry her in order to uh, have her kidnapped and murdered to to set up a war with a neighboring country and but before kidnappers can carry out the deed she's snatched away again uh by, by a man in black by a man in a mask who says that he's the dread pirate roberts the same guy that killed her wesley and but then she finds out quickly that it's not the dread pirate roberts spoiler alert it's Wesley. He's come back for her. He's come to save her. And if you haven't seen it, I mean, it's been 30 years now. You probably need to, to check it out, okay? Uh, but I remember the first time I saw it. I was in seventh grade. Uh, I, wa- I walked in my English class, and I saw the, one of the most beautiful things that uh, uh, any, any school student could ever see, and that is the AV cart, you know, with the TV on top and the VCR plugged in and uh you know i got excited because i knew that whatever we were doing today it wasn't going to be english class right so uh i walked in and we always try to go by and look and see what the you know what uh case is sitting there next to it see what movie we're watching and i saw the princess bride and i was like i have no idea what that is but you know whatever and all my friends they seem very excited about this and i thought you know uh, that's that that doesn't seem right because you know when you're you know in seventh grade i don't know if you know this is like that it's part of that, that, uh, that pinnacle of, of your time as a, as a young boy when you're trying to act way more macho than you actually are and act way more manly than you have any right to be. And so anything that's childish or girly or anything like that, you're just kind of like, you know, denying all that stuff exists, basically. So to see all my friends kind of be like, the princess brought, oh, man, that's cool. Th- that, that was just, you know, inconceivable to me uh, that, yeah, grown, uh, <laughs> that they would... They, they were so excited this movie because, you know, princess, that doesn't sound, you know, exciting. Bride definitely doesn't. I mean, it sounds like a wedding. That does not sound like something fun, but it's better than English class. And I was really excited to see it, but, you know, after I watched it, to see that it was, it was not just a romance. There were so many other things going on there. There was these good guys and bad guys and sword fights and, and chases and escapes, and there was violence and there was torture and poisoning and all these things that, you know, boys love. But also in, the, in, the, in there is 
true love. And I think the true love part, you know, when it gets to those parts, it's played completely sincere. Everything else is kind of goofy and comical, but the, the, the love, the, you know, the romance kind of scenes, those are, those are played up completely and totally honest and true. I think that makes us uncomfortable. Like, you know, maybe it's a little too mushy. Maybe it's a little, goes a little too far. Because, like, you know, we're not comfortable with that kind of love sometimes because, because maybe we don't see an example of it out here in the world. You know, you could say, you know, no one really talks like that. No one really loves someone that much the way Wesley and Buttercup. That's just made up. That's just a fairy tale. That's just fantasy. But, you know, I believe there is a love that's much greater than the love they share. And that's the love I want to talk about today. Not the love of, I'm going to talk about the love of Wesley and Buttercup, but that's not really what I'm here to talk about, of course. I'm here to talk about a different love, and that's a love that's described by the prophet Jeremiah, and he called it, he called it an everlasting love that God has for us, a love that will not be stopped, you know, a love that continues to pursue us no matter what. That's, that's the kind of love I want to tell you about, the love of God for us. In fact, that's, that's why, I believe that's why we know what love is, it's what uh, John tells us in 1 John, and we'll be reading a lot from 1 John here and there today. But this is, he says, this is how we know what love is. This is, this is basically our, 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 he's saying this is our big example. This is how we know. This is how we define love is because of this. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us. He laid his life down for every single person in this room, for every person on this earth. No matter who you are, no matter where you are, he laid his life down for you. And that may seem like, like he, he, he did that for me. You know, God did that for me. That's, that's inconceivable, right? Right? That, that's way too big for me to, to wrap my mind around. And you keep saying, you keep saying inconceivable. He keeps using this word. I don't know that he, he knows what it means. But, uh, guys, come on now. First service, first service was, was a lot more into this, okay? <laughs> Just want to chalk it up. Maybe you're not as familiar with the movie, but... Uh, inconceivable that just means that that you can't you couldn't have imagined it by yourself that you couldn't have wrapped your mind around it on your own that you couldn't have come up with it on your own and and that's what God's love is is maybe it is something that we couldn't have come up with uh, by ourselves that we couldn't have made up by ourselves but that doesn't mean it's not real that doesn't mean it doesn't exist that doesn't mean it's it's not something that happens every day the way he shows us his love in Ephesians Paul tells us this and he's telling he's telling the church the church in Ephesians, but he's also telling us today, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. That kind of doesn't make sense, right? To know a love that you can't fully know. To know a love, there's no way you can possibly really wrap your mind around. To know a love that's truly inconceivable to you. And that's, that's what the love I want to talk to you about is. Even though, even though we maybe can't, couldn't have come up with it our own, on, on our own, let's, can we talk about it for a few minutes and, and, and just focus on that love and think about it today and see how maybe it could change us, uh, change us throughout our, our, our walk every day. Because that love, that's, it's, it's the basis of who we are. If we're following God, we're trying to be like him. And we're trying to walk in that love. So let's go back to the beginning of the story, okay? Um, if, you, if you watch the movie, and I don't think I noticed it as much until I, I got older and watched the movie again, but, but if you see Buttercup in the movie, she's kind of a brat. I mean, she's kind of selfish. 
she uh, tends to talk down her nose at people, and, and, and in fact, our introduction to her is she's, she's ordering Wesley around. She's telling Wesley, you know, go do this, go do that, go do, you know, farm boy, go get this, farm boy, go get that. And it's, you know, it kind of doesn't come off so well. And then every time she does that, though, to Wesley, every time she asks him to do something, he responds with three small words. Does anybody know what those three words are? As you wish. Were they on the, okay, good, good, that's good. Uh, <laughs> So uh, he says, as you wish, those three words. And you, when, you, when he says it, you know, the first time when he says it, he has this look in his eyes, and you're like, oh, man, Wesley's into this brat. He likes this selfish little girl. And, I, you know, it's like, why, what is going on? And beyond the looks, what's going on? This, that doesn't make sense. But you know what? We've all been brats before, right? Yeah. You and I, we've all been brats before. We've all been selfish. We've all been a little self-centered sometimes. And, and you know what? God still loves us. Even though we don't, can't explain it sometimes, God still loves us. In fact, uh, Paul tells us in Romans, he says that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still brats, while we were still selfish, Christ died for us. And you know what? Let's be honest. Sometimes we can still all be brats, right? We can all be a little selfish sometimes. We can sometimes think, that we earn this love somehow. We earn what God's given us. That thing that maybe we've done enough, we've served enough, or we've been to church enough times or whatever, prayed enough prayers or whatever to earn it, but we, we have it. There is nothing that we can do to earn the, the unfathomable love of God. There's nothing that you or I can do to earn it. The only reason we're worth it is because he says we are. That's the only thing. And he says we all are. Every one of us is worth it. And so he, want, he, he wants us to remember that. But, you know, there's a, there's a story that uh, Luke tells in his, his account of, uh, of Jesus' life in the Bible. And he, he tells this, this one uh, encounter that Jesus had with some religious people. And these religious people, uh, they were kind of brats. <laughs> they were a little selfish. And they were wondering why Jesus was spending all his time with other people, with people who maybe didn't look like them and didn't act like they did and, and maybe lived on the other side of town or maybe belonged to a different political party or maybe maybe just, just were, you know, people that you didn't want to be seen with out in public. And why was Jesus spending all the time with them and not more time with, with, with these brats, you know? And Jesus told them, and I don't have time to go into all of it, but I've got it linked there who you can read it in Luke chapter 15 uh, of this, this uh, encounter that he has with these people. But he, he wants to tell them, you know what? I'm here for everybody. I'm not here for one certain, certain group of people. I'm here for everyone. I have time for all people. And so he tells three stories. He tells, the first story he tells is about a shepherd who has 100 sheep and he loses one. And it says, won't, won't the shepherd leave the 99 behind, leave them in open field, and go, go chase after the one? Because he wants, he wants them to know that, that, that you, you are worth leaving everything behind for. You are the most important thing, and you're worth, worth being reckless for God, for him to come after you, whoever you are. He, he wants to tell you that, that his love is pursuing you. It, it will climb any, there's no mountain it won't climb up. There's no darkness it won't light up. He's coming after you, okay? And, and, and uh, then he goes on and he tells a, uh, a story about a coin, a woman that loses a coin. And, you know, maybe I, I kind of see myself as, a, you know, just a little coin sometimes, not worth very much. But uh, it says the lady Lady, she turns her house over. I, you know, I picture like the Incredible Hulk, like breaking couches in half and slinging vases across the room, trying to find this coin, trying to find the one coin that she lost. And it says when she finds it, she calls her friends and she celebrates because she's found the coin. 
that you lost. And, and God wants you to know that, that whoever you, that you're worth celebrating, that you're, you're worth anything to come find it. And he, then he tells a third story, and it's about a father and a son. And the, the son takes, takes half of the father's money and runs away to, to basically never be hurt, to supposedly never be hurt from again. He's never going to come back. And he goes out and out, and he spends all of his father's money, all the half that he had, he spent all of it. And he, he finally, you know, hits rock bottom, and he decides to go back. And what does his father do? His father, you know, has been worrying sick, but his father doesn't say, say, I told you so. Or he doesn't say, I hope you learned your lesson. He, he, says, he says, bring a coat, bring a ring, put it on his finger. This is my son. He said, let's throw a party. He said, the money that I do have left, we're going to spend it on a party because this, my son's come home to see me, to, to be with me. And that, that, that's what God is saying is that, that no matter where you're at, no matter what you've done, no matter, no matter what your past is or where you're at right now, there's a place for you in his house. There's a place for you at his table. And that's, that's, that's the heart of God is that, that no one, no one is beyond his love, that we're all, we're, no one, none of us are worthy of it, but that every one of us, he gives it to us freely. And, and that just like we sang about a minute ago, that, that, that love that he has for us, it, it goes to any lengths, and there's nothing that we can do to, uh, to stop it. So wherever you are, I want you to know, before we go any further, that God's love is reaching out to you. Wherever you're at, I know his love is trying to get to you, okay? His, his love is, is, is there, it's present. Maybe you just don't notice it yet, okay? And so, so I want to talk a little bit for just a second to talk about that. I want to talk about uh, the man in black. Uh, I'm not talking about Johnny Cash, although, uh, you know, just having this in my notes and going over it this morning, I got uh, a couple of Johnny Cash songs stuck in my head, and I was singing them in the shower this morning, but that's, that's beside the point. Um, the man in black is, is what most of the characters call Wesley while he's dressed as the Dread Pirate Roberts because, you know, he's wearing all black and he's wearing a mask, and so they don't know who he is, so they just call him the man in black. And Buttercup, she also, she doesn't know who he is, and no one really knows where he came from or, or what he's after for the first part of the movie. Um, but, but then finally Buttercup, you know, she finds herself, you know, rescued by him and figures out that it's Wesley, and she's like, well, I thought the Dread Pirate Roberts, I thought, I thought he, he killed you. I thought that's what happened. And so then Wesley tells her the story. He tells her that, that, when, that usually the, the Dread Pirate Roberts you know, doesn't leave any survivors, but this time he had mercy on, on Wesley because Wesley told him the story of, of his love for Buttercup and how much he loved her and how much he had to get back to her. And so he, he said he never had like a, like a servant so before, so, so let him be his servant for, just for the night, basically. And every day... He would, you know, he would let him be his servant for one day, and every night, at the end of the night, he would say, good night, Wesley, good work, sleep well, I'll most likely kill you in the morning. And so every night, Wesley knew that, that tomorrow could be the last day, but every night, he, it, would, it, it would be okay because, because he, would, he would tell about his, his love for Buttercup. And finally, he finds out that the Dread Pirate Roberts that he knows isn't Dread Pirate Roberts at all, but, but he tells him that actually the real Dread Pirate Roberts is, is, has um, has. Uh, retired, he's off on an island somewhere vacationing, and that, you know, that he's just passed the name down. And so now this Dread Pirate Roberts is going to pass the name on to Wesley because, you know, the name, the Dread Pirate Wesley, that's not going to strike fear into anyone's heart, but the Dread Pirate Roberts does. And so, so you know, this is the truth of what happened. But, but Buttercup, she only knew the rumors. You know, she had heard what people had said. She had heard the rumors. She had heard the things that, that had come back to her, you know, to three or four different people or however she got the information. She'd been listening to that, but she hadn't found 
the truth. And because of that, she had spent years mourning. She had spent years in misery. She had spent years, uh, you know, suffering because of that. And the same thing can be said of us is that, is that if, we, if we just believe the rumors or the, the, the things that people are saying about God and we don't go to the source and try to find the truth, then we're always going to be, be coming up short. And so we need to, and I dare you, if, if you've heard the rumors, if you heard, you know, hearsay, if you've heard what, what someone said about God, I, I, I dare you to, to go and find the truth, to not just go and look for what someone said about him, but go to the source and find the truth out. Start with Jesus and see his love for you and, and begin there, begin a relationship with him because I believe you're going to find a love that will change your life forever. I know it's changed my life. I, know there's, I think there's things all around, ways all around that he is trying to show his love to you. There's ways all around us all the time. We may not notice it, but in the Bible, there's many, there's very few actually, there's very few, there's lots of relationships, but very few that are, are what you would call ideal relationships. Very, most of the relationships are broken or messed up, and probably the most messed up of all the relationships in the Bible, uh, certainly one of the most, is, is the relationship between Hosea and Gomer. And Hosea is a, is a prophet, a preacher, and Gomer is his wife, and she's a prostitute. So it's a preacher and a prostitute. That's, that just doesn't make sense, right? That, that doesn't add up. There's something weird there, right? But it's a, it's a, it's a story that, that's told in, in, the, in the Bible, to, and it's an example to us of what of our relationship with God sometimes, okay? And so what's said there is that Gomer says this in chapter 2. She says, I will go after my lover's who give me my food and my water, my wool and my linen, my olive oil and my drink. And so she's saying, you know what, I'm going to go over here and whoever I'm with this week, you know, they're going to provide for me, right? But then and Gomer, uh, Hosea says, she doesn't realize it was I who gave her everything she has, the grain, the new wine, the olive oil. I even gave her silver and gold. And so this whole time she's over with, with whoever, and she thinks they're providing for her. But really it's, it's Hosea the whole time behind the scenes funneling money to her somehow, somehow taking care of her, somehow helping her out. Even though she's not with him, even though she's not being faithful, he's still helping her out, and he's still taking care of her. And that's the same, that's, that's uh, sad to say, but it's a picture of our relationship with God sometimes. Sometimes, you know, we, could say, we can look around and look at all the things, the good things in our life, and think about how hard we've worked for them. Or think about, you know, I've done this to provide for my family, or I've done this, and I've achieved this, and look at, look at this that I've done. And then when things go bad, I know I'm, I'm the worst. Say, well, God, why'd you let that happen? When things go good, I, I don't want to say it's about me, but when it's bad, it's God's fault. But, you know, a lot of times if we would look around at all the ways God's blessed us, all the things that God has done good for us in our life, even when we're not faithful, just like Paul tells Timothy, that even when we're unfaithful, God is still faithful. God's still faithful to us even, even when we're not. He's still, he's still there for us, and, and when we come to him, he is still there for us with his unfailing love. And I hope if you don't know that love today, I hope you'll, you'll know it before you leave here today, okay? And, but let me tell you this, knowing lo the love, that's not enough. There's another step there. There's another step that we've got to take with that. And so I want to talk a little bit about our identity because of that love. And, uh, you know, sometimes we can, just because we know love, that sometimes our passion it can be a good, pure thing, but it can be turned and twisted and, and manipulated in a way that where it becomes a dangerous thing to the people around us, or it becomes a hurtful thing to the people around us. And, and there's no character that sums it up more in this movie, I don't think, and he's one of my favorite characters, than the character of Inigo Montoya. 
Okay? Inigo Montoya, his, he, his father was killed in front of him when he was 11 years old. And uh, he says that, you know, he spent his whole life, he's dedicated to the art of fencing, to sword fighting, so that one day he can track down the six-fingered man who killed his father, and, and he can say the words, Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And he, wants, it's, it's, he says it several times in the movie. And it, it, sees, it seems that revenge has become his identity. That this love that, that started off so pure with it, of the love of his father has turned into this warped thing. And even though, you know, even though Inigo is a, is a good guy in the movie, I, I would guess, uh, his, his story in the end, it doesn't wrap up so easily. You know, Wesley and Buttercup, we know they're going to live happily ever after. You know that when the, when the movie starts, they're going to live happily ever after, right? But, but uh, Inigo, like at the end, his story's not all tied up like that. He gets his revenge, but it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't lead him anywhere that's, you know, really an ending to his story. It's still up in the air. And it's because he's found his identity in this revenge, in this, this love that's been twisted. And that's not where we need to find our identity. He needs to come from somewhere else. It needs to come from a love that's pure and whole and true. And that, that is the love of God. Let me, let me read to you again from 1 John. Uh, where, where uh, John tells us that God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So that's where we need to find our identity, right? And as we grow to be more like God, that means that if he got his love, then what's that say about us? Bob Goff says it like this. You know who Bob Goff is? If you don't, uh, you know, Plato or Aristotle, Socrates, morons. Uh, compared to this guy, okay? Uh, he says this, love isn't something we fall into, it's someone we become. I like the way, the way he says that. He doesn't say, you know, it's something we are, it's, it's love is something that, that we, we've, we became. He says love is something that we become. It's something that's, that's going on right now, you know? It's, 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 it's right now happening that we're, we're, we become love. And so that's what we need to do. So as we follow God, we become more like him. If God is love, then we're becoming love. Um, and, you know, we're not perfect. We're not there yet. But we're headed that direction, right? So you can't be something, though, you don't know. You can't be something you don't know. So you have to know this love. Um, I think we say we live in the information age, right? We have every bit of knowledge that could, we could ever hope to have right at our fingertips, right? You know, uh, if you don't know who Bob Goff is, you could pull out your phone right now and Google it and figure it out in 10 seconds flat, right? If, if I misquoted the Princess Bride a couple of seconds ago, you would, could find that out and show it to me after service on your phone and prove me wrong because there's so many things and we, we're, we, know, we could know so many things. You could literally become an expert on any subject you want to just with your phone, right? Why, what if we could become experts in God's love? What if we become experts in the way we love each other and the way that God loves us? What would happen? Here's what I think would happen is if we, when we know love, when we become experts in love, we will think of ourselves last. I, I need to work on these things too, okay? So stepping on my toes too. We will believe the best about other people, that when other people mess up or they hurt us or, or something like that, we'll believe the, the best about them. We won't see the worst. We'll see the best in them. That we, we will forgive others more often because we remember how much we have been forgiven. And, uh, and we'll be less possessive. We'll be less possessive of our stuff, but not just our stuff, of our relationships. We'll be less possessive with our time, and we'll freely give it more freely to others who need it because we're not worried so much, right? We're not, so, we're not worried so much about the future. 
because we know that God is going to take care of us. His love is going to take care of us. And so we're going to be able to, to live a little, with a little less worry in our life. And we will begin to see others the way Jesus does. We'll be able to see people like, like he does, the people who are in need of love. Now, this is the way that Jesus taught us to live. You know, it's to, to forgive your enemies, to pray for those who persecute you. But he, he didn't just leave it at that. In fact, in John, when he's, he's uh, at the Last Supper, he's telling the disciples, uh, you know, how, uh, reminding them, you know, you need to love one another. You need to love one another. There in chapter 15 of John, he's telling them, you know, you, about how that's how they'll be known. But he stops. He kind of takes a right turn and he, all of a sudden. And he just says this. He says, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you too. So he wants to remind you, just because you're going to love everybody doesn't mean that everybody's going to love you back. He wants you to know that it's not going to be a walk in the park, that it's not just, it's going to, just going to be super easy because, of, because you're doing this. But he does tell us that it's going to work. He does tell us that it's going to happen. So, so we have to walk in that love and identify ourselves as, as love, you know, as we become love. And so what is it that love does? What, what does love do? You know, what, what is it that love does? In the movie, what Wesley does is he scales the cliffs of insanity. He has a sword fight with one of the greatest swordsmen on the, on the face of the earth. He, he wrestles a giant, and then he matches wit with a self-proclaimed uh, greatest mind of his time. And then he, he braves the fire swamp and, and fights a, a rodent of unusual size. And then he's thrown into the pit of despair, only, and that's where he's found dead. Well, mostly dead. Um, but he, he's found dead there. And then what does he do after he's been through all that? What happens? After he, he storms the castle, that's what he does. That's what love does, is love storms the castle. Love doesn't give up. Love keeps going. And what happens there is we find that, that uh, when he does storm the castle, it's not even a fight, really. He doesn't even have to do anything. He really can't do anything. Uh, but uh, when he storms the castle, he doesn't have to do anything because he's already done it. He's already, he's already proved his love. And so in the end, Prince Humperdinck doesn't even, doesn't even fight. He just lays his sword down. And he gives up because, you know, what else could he do to this guy? He's, he's done everything he can. What can he do now? And I think what Prince Humberdink realizes in that moment when he gives up is he realizes what Wesley told Buttercup earlier is that death cannot stop love. All it can do is delay it for a while. And if death can't stop love, what can? What can stop love? I think that reminds me of something that was read at my wedding. It was probably read at your wedding too. First Corinthians chapter 13. You know where I'm going here? Uh, that, that love never fails. Love never fails. And, you know, we read this at weddings and stuff, but it's not really talking just about romantic love here. It's talking about something much deeper. It's talking about God's love for us and how our love should be for other people. That when, he said, when, when Paul says love never fails, he's saying that, that, our, that God's love for us has never failed. It's never stopped. It's never been held back. His love never fails. And our love shouldn't either. Our love should continue to grow. And it's, he, he's not, again, it's not talking about romantic love. He's talking about the love God has for us. Because God didn't show up with flowers, with a bouquet, with a box of candy. He didn't make empty promises over a candlelight. He gave us a much more important gift than that. And that's, the, the, God gave us the gift of his son. He gave us the gift of Jesus. And uh, in Acts, we read that this man was handed over to you. And you put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And so death couldn't stop him. Death couldn't stop him. It couldn't stop love. Death couldn't stop the, the love of Jesus. 
And you know what? If we put our trust in him and we learn to live like him, it won't stop us either. That there is nothing in this world that can stop us if we follow him. 1 John 3.14 says, We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. And so as we walk that out, as we try to walk and be loved, then we're becoming more like like Jesus, and we, we, we take on his life, and, and we take on his death, and we become more like him. There is nothing in this world that can stop us if we'll love people. And when we do that, we'll stop seeing issues, and we'll start seeing people. We'll stop seeing uh, arguments to win, and we'll start seeing people to love. We'll stop seeing problems that need to be fixed, and we'll start seeing people that need Jesus. We'll, we'll start seeing people the way Jesus sees people. And it's going to change the way we interact with people. It's going to change the way that we interact with the people in our homes. It's going to change the way we interact with our friends. It's going to change the way we interact with that one coworker that really just grates on your nerves. You know, it's going to, it's going to change the way you interact with, with uh, people at, at school or people, you know, in, when you're driving down the interstate and someone cuts you off in traffic, it's going to change the way you interact with them. It's going to change the way that, that you interact with people on Facebook. It's going to change the way that you, you, you act with everybody you come in contact with and when you see them the way Jesus does. And you see them not as a problem, not as an issue, not an argument to win, but as someone that desperately needs the love of Jesus in their life. And Jesus told us that, that he never said, he never said that, that, like I said a minute ago, he never said this was going to be easy. He just said that this is, this is how to do it. This is how it's going to work. And so, yes, we've got to proclaim the gospel. Yes, we've got, to tell the, we've got to proclaim the truth. Yes, we've got to serve people. But if we do this without love, then Paul says, uh, he says that we're just making noise. If, we're, if we don't have love at the center of what we're doing, if it's, if it's about us, if it's about, it's about me, if it's about whatever, if it's not about our love for other people, then we're wasting our time. Then we're just making noise. I want to share a quote from a guy named Fred Rogers. Anybody know Fred Rogers? You might know him as Mr. Rogers. Um, he might be his neighbor. But um, he says this. He said, the greatest thing we can do is to let people know that they are loved and capable of loving. And I agree with that. I think that's, that's what the greatest thing we can do. Is to, and uh, I hope that's what I've done today. That's what I've tried to do. And let me, let me explain that one more time and let you know that you are loved. You are loved. No matter who you are or where you're at, you're loved. You are worth the most daring rescue attempt ever put, put to action. You were worth it. You were worth every drop of blood that Jesus bled. And if he had to go back to the cross for you, he would do it all over again. And he would have done it for you in the beginning. If it was just for you. You were worth it. You were worth it. And he loves you deeply and, and, and bigger than I can imagine. And bigger than you can imagine. He loves you with that kind of love. Um, and so if you don't know that love, I hope, I hope you find that love today. Um, and second, there's a world full of people out there that, that need this love. And you're capable of loving them. You're capable of sharing that love. And so I want to challenge you to, to see that, that Jesus, he, when he saw us, he stormed the castle, right? He stormed the castle. What did it cost him to, to, to get to us? What did it cost him to get to you? And what will it cost you to get to someone else? What will it cost you? So you know what the challenge is today? to storm the castle, to have fun storming the castle, okay? Uh, we say something around here a lot, 
somebody picked up from somewhere, and it's that, that we will do anything short of sin to reach one person that doesn't know Jesus. And I hope that's not just something we say, you know, say from the stage. or something. I hope that's not just something we say about our church, but I hope it's something we say as individuals, that all of us, that every one of us would do anything within our power to reach one person. And there are people all around you all the time that need this hope and the, 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 the peace that you have, that you found in Jesus, that, and you need to share it with somebody. So storm the castles this week, okay? You've been listening to the Church 2911 Sermons Podcast. If you have a prayer need, our prayer team and pastoral staff would love to pray with you. You can send us your prayer requests by using the email address prayer at church2911.com. If you would like to know more about our church, including information about our weekly services, please check out church2911.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you know that God has an amazing dream for you. And as always, we dare you to dream.